Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jessica Jones Podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. You're a bad idea. The Jessica Jones Podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 209, a.k.a. Shark in the Bathtub, Monster in the Bed, is brought to you by Breakfast Spaghetti. It'll butter and jam its way through your bowels. That remains maybe the grossest thing that has ever appeared as a food item in Marvel TV or films. I continue to be skeeved out about that. Pete, your thoughts? Uh, listen, with, with an episode with a title as long as this one, you had to know there was going to be some weirdness in there somewhere. Well, Pete, from one strong female protagonist to another, as we uh, as we ask people to give our podcasts a rating on iTunes, I think we have a little incentive from another uh, another powered gal, don't we? Yes, we have a digital download code for Star Wars: The Last Jedi that we will be raffling off to any new review left via iTunes between now and early April. So get those in there. You will automatically be entered into the drawing. Home base, of course, is the Jessica Jones podcast by Fantastic Geek and the Pop Culture Podcast. But Pete, could people review other podcasts in our uh, in our uh, family of podcasts? Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> you'd only have 13 chances to win. Uh, we'll give you one for every single one. It's got to be a written review, though. So get over there to iTunes right away, and uh, we will eventually be choosing a winner. And do, of course, uh, let us know your your uh, iTunes username. You can let us know over tweet, over email, over however you want to, over Facebook, just so that way we can match the winner with uh, the person to get in touch with. With that, Pete, it's time for some surveillance. Let's see what the episode was all about. Someone is watching Jessica and Alyssa. It's Cheng, and he's got a sniper rifle. Three shots later, Mom has spotted him, and he's on the run. He's going down the stairs until he's spotted. She's running up, and he's caught. Alyssa smacks him around, but it's Jessica who corners him and hits him with a tranquilizer. They take him to Jessica's tub, where he's not to be killed, Mom. Jessica will tell him that there's a mutually assured prison if Cheng turns them in, and vice versa, so it's handled. Alyssa tends to her daughter's wounds, duct-taping it shut like a boss. Later, Mom is getting ready to bed down, getting her manacles all ready for her night terrors. Carl usually straps her in. She misses him so much. Jessica ends up trying to doze in the hall, keeping an eye on the still-passed-out Cheng. Trish knocks on the door to see what Malcolm told Jess. Turns out he told her he needed the day off. Not that drug use thing. Trish, clearly strung out, clearly high to Jessica, wants to catch the killers and fight the world. Trish walks, not admitting to a problem, nor the need for a meeting or her sponsor. Back in the apartment, Alyssa is awake. Or is she? She snaps out of her daze and falls back asleep. The next morning, outside the apartment building, Oscar is grouchily on garbage duty and sees glass on the street. His next stop, Jessica's apartment. She explains that her mother was shot at and that he shouldn't be involved. It's powered weird. 
Vito's mom, Sonia, is dropping him off, but not near someone who is powered weird. So Oscar's off to deal with that. Jessica's back to deal with Cheng, who's still out. The story moves to Trish chowing down on junk food and getting check-in texts from Jess. In the background, Trish is streaming ZCN, where hero Griffin Sinclair is in Syria. Time for Trish to be a hero, too. Puff, puff. In Jerry's apartment, her and Inez are in the sweet afterglow. They talk Japanese tattoos and maybe a trip to Japan later, but Inez isn't so sure. Jerry's a user, and we, the audience, can't argue much. Later, Jerry is trying on another black outfit, and Inez watches. Hero Trish is there, ready to take Inez on the radio, though Jerry says Inez is being offered up as the one over the shark tank. Trish is given the boot, and later still, Jerry's there to pick up Shane, not taking no for an answer as he leaves prison. She says that he can crawl into prison or jump to help her. He'll help. Next stop, a chicken sandwich. Later in Jerry's apartment, she and Inez are ready for Shane to do his thing. He searches for the sickness. It's a scene about the unseen, letting the actors and music carry it, not CGI and bright lights. Cut to Trish on the radio, digging deep on gluten-free stuff. Yippee, says Trish, or at least her implied eye roll does. It's no violence in Syria, and Trish goes off the rails. It's a tough scene to swallow, and later boss Ian agrees. It'll upset the bloggers. Is there anything worse than a whiny blogger? But ZCN's on the phone, too. Can she do that every day on TV? Let's test you on camera. Keep that spark. Oh boy, time for another bump, but the magic carpet ride inhaler is out of juice. Back to Jessica's apartment, Chang is still out, despite Jessica hosing him down. Mom's hungry, though. Time for breakfast spaghetti. Or butter and jam. It's confusing. Oh wait, it's spaghetti with butter and jam. That's disgusting. Jessica feels guilty about causing the accident that took her family. Alyssa explains it was very much Dad's fault. Time to dump your past. Alyssa dumps some of the family ashes. Time to dump your past, Alyssa's ready to kill Chang, or at the very least, run from him. Also on the run, Sonia, who may be taking Vito all the way to Peru. Jessica Jones is on the case, but won't leave Chang and Mom together. Chang gets another dope dose, and Alyssa's on the case too. They end up at Sonia's apartment, where JJ gets in. The passports can't be found, nor Captain America. You know, Vito's figure. Luckily, she and Oscar share a credit card. Bus tickets to Montreal have been bought, and she may be there. Jess and Alyssa drag a bus to a stop, and Vito's saved. So's Sonia. She won't be going to prison for taking her son out of the country. Back at Jessica's apartment, the day has been saved. And Oscar is ready to save her, too. He will make papers to get Alyssa on her way, if needed. Jessica forgives her mother, and Mom is inspired to use their powers for good. As for evil... Cheng, the shark, is awake in the bathtub. Hey, like the title. Alyssa's ready to kill him, but Jessica again says no. Cheng is awake, admitting to attempting to kill Alyssa, not Jessica. He accepts the deal. They'll be mutually hush-hush, though Cheng still wants revenge for Alyssa killing his associate. Through the door, Alyssa's blood is boiling, and she overhears Jessica calling Detective Costa. That sets Mom off as Cheng runs and Jessica tries to subdue her. Alyssa runs out, cornered by the police, and slowly puts her hands on her head. There's more to the series, but for this episode, there's no happy ending.
What suspects draw our focus in this episode? Pete, let's start with Price Chang. As if, Matt, this V-neck wearing, tattooed, slick PI hasn't been annoying enough. Now he's taking the law into his own hands with a sniper rifle. He was really the last person I expected to find on the other end of those bullets. I very, very much agree, particularly since he's so uh, contained a person. And yes, there's some of this, oh, he's a ruffian, what with his open, partially open shirts showing his chest and his tattoos and whatnot. But clearly he's somebody who's tightly wound um, and uses it like a spring. However, now he's come undone a little bit. Yes, we get towards the end of the episode a bit of an explanation and I think an acceptable one at that that he's trying to uh, not only avenge the, the the loss of Nick, his associate, but also to prevent other people from being hurt, such as the police. But that said, Pete, uh, you can't take the law into your own hands, particularly when it comes to using a gun. Thanks, timely Price Chang storyline. And what happens to him? Let, let, let's look at the ultimate consequences. He's drugged, thrown into a bathtub, emasculated by repeatedly urinating himself and made to uh, not suffer. I, I think that's he doesn't suffer, but he's he's made he's bent to the will of a strong woman who is right. Wow. Well, <laughs> Pete, I saw all that, but I didn't see all of that in the episode. And I think that's a really excellent observation on your part that. There is this gender reading that goes on there, particularly, you know, we had an episode or two ago where, uh, oh, it's Jerry who who essentially puts things in gender terms. He's upset that a girl took his ball and, you know, and has gone home, that kind of thing. Uh, heck, we go back to when he's first introduced. Uh, you know, he he takes what he wants and some of that language, which Jessica read as kind of a, a coded gender take. So well done there and it makes me feel all the better that price cheng gets uh gets a hurt and put on him in the course of this episode Alyssa is not the villainous presence she might have seen in other episodes she still wants to kill price cheng however um and still arguing on the side of dr carl somebody that we're both pretty firmly against well, I'll go in reverse order there. The the doe-eyed way in which she refers to Dr. Carl is troubling for all the reasons we discussed last time. You know, he he has done all these things which are illegal, which are immoral, and without her consent. Um, that said, is he providing her a help in her current condition? Sure, and that he understands the nature of her, her ability to to rage on and on. That said, and it struck me when I was putting together the recap, I mean, you literally go from one scene in, I believe, the bedroom, mom is inspired to use their powers for good. Wow, stopping that bus. We can make a difference. Next scene, Chang is awake. I want to kill him. And it's like, whoa, this is a lot different than lose your temper, which happens later in that scene. And I'm certainly not excusing, particularly when as she strikes and bloodies her own daughter. But, I mean... When you lose your temper, at least you are cognitively not in control on a certain level. She is experiencing cool-headed cognitive dissonance to say, we, we can use these powers for good. Now let's go kill Price Cheng because he dared try and stop me as a threatening element. 
you know, wow, wow. And she doubles down at the end of the episode as Jessica is doing the right thing is is letting the cops know, hey, the the killer is here to protect her mother. But still, Alyssa wants to take down uh, Price, rages, chases after him. I mean, she's she's not without a pitiable nature when she wakes up. I thought it was a, a very poignant scene from the night terrors. And she wants to know where Jessica is. She's broken from the, the leg shackles. You know, you pity her. But at the same time, under the rule of law, Jess knows she can't allow her to do this this way Alyssa is such an interesting character because her instincts are so pure and so sympathetic but she also at the end of the day is not she's not doing a credit to herself in terms of mental health and I don't know that I don't know to what degree they said oh man we're gonna make this season about you know managing mental health in the community and that sort of thing but that's ultimately what it is just as Trish is unable to admit that she needs help uh, we have Alyssa certainly not fully able to admit that. I mean, I dare say any one of us who are goodly good people who realized, oh my goodness, these special superpowers in some sort of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde way have caused me to take a single life, I must turn myself in. I mean, this has to stop. One life is one life too many. I have to pay for my crimes uh, legally and morally, and also I need to be stopped from doing this again and that's not her mindset at all. That's not Dr. Carl's mindset at all. We have Jessica Jones here, the bastion of truth and justice in the American way. And then, Matt, we talk about Sonia, who, you know, she's stealing her child, Vito, uh, under the auspices that she's getting him out of an environment where there is a dangerous, powered person, um, but still breaking the law and comes to realize that and recognize that with the help of Jess at the end of the episode. Well, when you frame it like that, it occurs to me that maybe a, a subtle theme to this episode is rule of law. You know, is there a natural law beyond that? Is there the mother's right, the mother's instinct, the, the mother, mother nature's law? Sure, but Sonia, you can't go taking your kid two weeks before a custody hearing just because the upstairs neighbor is super powered or, you know, insert minority group that you don't want to be around that th there's your metaphor hidden by superpowers hidden by uh, Sonia and Oscar being, being people of color, but you just can't do that because you don't like the folks who live upstairs and call your, call it something which is acceptable because a mother's right. There still is rule of law here. In an episode, Pete, with uh, no law enforcement present, they're still they're teaching us a civics lesson, man. <laughs> it's amazing. Cryptology, where we uncover hidden messages and larger themes. Pete, here's a little one I'd like to start with. Uh, we have the line in Spider-Man Homecoming, you know, oh, I guess Captain America is a war criminal now or whatever. Uh, mm -hmm. Here's the tape we have to watch. Clearly, we Vito, Paquito Vito, he has his Captain America figure. Is he still a folk hero, even even though the man says he's no good? Oh, that or he hasn't been exposed to the to the video that uh, the kids are seeing in high school. <laughs> um, it's funny that you bring that up. I had uh, noted up for this. 
so he's left with the figure. It, it's his favorite. Um, there's discussion that at least initially Sonia wanted to take him to Peru. We find out that it's going to be Montreal is cap who is uh, a fugitive from justice right now, hiding out in Wakanda. Is he going to be allowed into Montreal? <laughs> is cap or veto is, is cap uh, Vito's bringing cap into <laughs> Montreal. Is that going to be allowed? Pete, I think you know, he was. Do you have anything a... you'd like to declare, Vito? Oh, Captain America! Sorry, we're not allowing him in. We have Captain Canada. <laughs> Who is uh, a real Marvel character? <laughs> uh, hopefully, they're not being that discriminating with border stuff. Uh, but um, yeah, I certainly loved the inclusion here. Of course, kids Vito's age are going to be fans of Captain America, and it, I, I'll do you one better. It's probably a situation where it's like. Oh man, are we going to sit him down and explain the complexities of the uh, of the accords and the this and the that, or are we just going to let him continue to play with his favorite action figure? Uh, yeah, we'll do the latter. So great inclusion there from Cap. Matt, it's uh, stated that Griffin has been in Syria for weeks. Seemed a little excessive given the passage of time we've seen on the show. Uh, that struck me as well. Um, maybe let me put it this way. I, I remember very distinctively, I want to say in college where it was like, maybe it was high school, but it was like, you know, how long does, uh, it was one of the Shakespeare plays. I think Romeo and Juliet, like how long do you think it takes place? And it's like, oh man, a week, you know, nope. 10 days, whatever. And it's like, <laughs> no, it's like, it's like 30 hours or whatever yep. it is. Yep. Um, so here's my point. The fact that we are discussing it, maybe there's a rock-solid internal chronology where, yes, it has been several weeks. How are we experiencing it on the show? It feels like it was, I mean, I know it was a couple of episodes ago, but it feels like it was, I don't know, a couple of days ago, five days ago, a week. It was weeks know. that they shot it. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if, I guess here's what I'm trying to say. Even if there is an internal show chronology that, can explain it is several weeks in in you know show time uh that's not how we're experiencing it we're experiencing it you know much closer so probably a better line would have been for quite some time and you go oh quite some time could be boy things are so bad if you've been there 10 days that's a long time i don't know not so much a theory but more of a lament matt although we get the sense more is to come R.I.P. Trish Talk. Maybe. I mean, the only thing worse than a show out of control is a show out of control that people want to listen to. Well, let me tell you about Fantastic Geek for a second. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, Pete, I can't wait to do to do an episode on the real evil gluten. Um, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, Pete, all I can think of, and this is a, this is a radio program I never listened to in my teens because, um, all right, maybe that's a lie, but I think of Howard Stern where it was like so much on there got people so riled up in a negative way and people protesting and this and that, the other. And the only thing worse for the radio station than the trouble over it would have been for it to go away because all this money was coming in. So clearly the story has some sort of trajectory towards ZCN. But is it the worst thing in the world if this is must listen? What, 
what's Patsy going to go crazy on next? Oh, man, here's uh, Jane from the flower shop here to talk about the best spring flowers. And is Patsy going to flip out on her? You know, that's, that's good listening, even if it's unpredictable. There's something to be said for going after the thing everybody thinks. And by pointing out the banality of gluten versus child soldiers and and stuff like that, albeit in a really nasty way, you can see why ZCN potentially would be interested. Yeah, particularly when you say, you know, when you say, well, cable news wants that sizzle. I feel like whether Trish, I, I don't get the sense that Trish is on like a, a public radio station, but even if it is kind of commercial talk radio, this is more the, you know, this is more the, wow, Pete, I heard a really great thing on Trish Talk today about, you know, yesterday was really hard cutting stuff on uh, the, the appropriateness of the raft for superpowered people. Today, eight great breads to buy in Manhattan. You know, Pete, next time we're in the city, we're going to have to get bread number four. Like, that's what they're offering up, but that's also not suitable for cable where it's got to be that sizzle and it's going to be that, you know, that, I mean, 24-hour cable news cycle. That's a thing. So, yeah, maybe Trish is not long for radio and meant for uh, meant for being in front of the camera again. Does ZCN really want her or is this a ratings grab? Can it be both? I mean, she can make the jump to ZCN, and if she's gonna, if she's gonna hit, so be it. I mean, you see it all the time, regardless of whatever your cable news channel of choice is. They're chasing the sizzle, and if that means, oh man, now you have a primetime show. Uh, Ten months later, the the ratings are in the toilet. All right, well, you're out on Friday. New person's coming in. You know, it could be short term, it could be long term. Who knows? Trish Factor after this. (laughs) We have since, uh, Matt, the beginning with the Marvel Netflix shows, gotten our Stanley cameo, albeit kind of showing up the same way in each of the different uh, TV shows. Uh, The the police poster, the NYPD poster uh, with him on it. But we took that to the next level now with this episode. On the back of the bus, we had the Forbush and Associates law uh, ad, which is actually a fairly deep Marvel dive. Are you familiar with the character of Forbush Man? Uh, I am, and I know that increasingly... I believe the feeling is in all the Marvel Netflix stuff that it's like Officer Forbush... Um, but Pete, explain to our listeners more about Forbush Man. Well, Irving Forbush uh, was the police officer. Captain Irving Forbush was the police officer identified there uh, with Stanley's uh, guys. And now, as an attorney, having left apparently the uh, the world of law enforcement and getting into law and order. Uh, with Forbush and Associates. So could, could we maybe get our, uh, our Stan Lee in a courtroom across the, uh, across the aisle from uh, Jerry Hogarth? Oh, that would be fun. Bottom line is I like that there's this weird Marvel Netflix storyline for Officer Forbush. It's just, it's just wonderful. It really, really is. I don't know if we're ever going to get Forbush Man. I think it's the closest we're ever going to get. 
one last one from me, Matt. We have the uh, Jerry scene where the healer does his thing. All we get is her saying, ow, and crying, has she been healed? I read it as she has been healed. I think there's enough story space where if that's not the case, that can be explained next episode. Maybe it's the crime. You know, maybe it was written as play it both ways. Or maybe the direction was play it with less, you know, yippee, I'm free. And, you know, and I'm, I'm Grandpa Joe from Charlie and Chocolate Factory clicking my heels like. I just can't see uh, Jerry Hogarth doing that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Pete, certainly not in her current state of undress. Thank you very much. Um, but let me, let me put it this way. I feel like Shane is the real deal. But I think narratively the episode is, um, is splitting the difference, which is fine because we got more episodes to go. So let's let that story continue to have a story arc there. Pete, here's one for you. Trish now, you know, fully off the wagon. She's been that way for a couple episodes. Now she's out of out of the huff. What's that going to look like there? I mean, she's not recognizing in herself the the fact that she's now taking drugs and and has given into her addictive personality. Now she's now she's out. What's next? This entire episode for me is about backsliding into bad habits. Alyssa wants to kill again. Uh, Trish is using and now she's out. So running down IGN is a dual edged sword for her. It's, uh, you know, helping her career advance. Now ZCN is interested but now she's got a real personal stake in it in that she finds IGN. She can find some more of the inhaler substance. Um, and, and what does it look like when she's not on it? Cold Turkey. We've seen her get sick before how she possibly can interview with ZCN the next day, the next little bit without this uh, special sauce that she's got there. And even Griffin Sinclair, what's he done with the loss of Trish? He's thrown himself back into a war zone, someplace where his life is at risk. So I think a a pretty poignant underlying theme um, underlining this episode. Let's check our mail drop. Here's what you have to say. Pete, we start with a tweet or two from our pal Donna. That's at CrescentMoon621. Uh, she says, this season is amazing so far. Dorothy Walker needs to die, though. She's such a, I'll say witch, Pete, in part because <sighs> this episode taught me not to use that word. At least for me, if Donna wants to use it, she can because she, Donna just kicks butt in general. So your thoughts yes. there, Pete? Does Dorothy Walker uh, need to metaphorically wow. die? Other than I, I can't repeat what she said because it's, yeah. Um, I would tend to agree with her. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Dorothy Walker is a is a really n- not good person. I'm trying to think in a series of really awful people in a season because obviously Kilgrave is worse, but in a season of kind of very terrible people, is there anybody more bottom feedery with no excuse than Dorothy? Um, I don't know. I I don't think we've met anybody yet, Matt, on that level. Ooh, 
Uh, Pete, we also have a tweet from our pal, a.k.a. Frank Castle. That's at DJ underscore Black, B-L-A-K-3-5-7. Uh, he says, hey, guys, I've been a little busy this week, so I'm a little behind. I just wanted to say that Rudy's is always my safe place. Free <laughs> hot dogs, cheap beer, and Jessica Jones forgot about the giant pig out front of the bar. Hashtag Rudy's, hashtag Hell's Kitchen. Never disappoints. Well, Pete, this an episode that might have no happy ending, but luckily our patrons on Patreon.com always putting a smile on our faces as they help us out with our podcast costs. Absolutely. Our patrons are the best. So if you would like to join the legion of patrons, Matt, get yourself over to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Fantastic Geek. Every buddy who contributes gets exclusive podcast content and then you can decide the perks after that and of course the greatest perk pete is being able to talk to you on twitter how can people do so you can find me on twitter at peter p-i-e-t-e-r-j-k-e-t-e-l-a-a-r 9839 followers can't be wrong and while i'm personally on twitter as looking back lost do be in touch with the podcast, won't you? Comment at fantasticgeek.com, email fantasticgeek at gmail.com, check us out on Twitter and Instagram where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com forward slash Fantastic Geek. The PH, the one word, the place to be like it today. Well, we will be back on Thursday to continue to talk Jessica Jones. Pete, can you believe the end is in sight here with uh, 10, 11, 12, there are only four episodes left. Of course, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on Friday as well. The adventure continuing, of course. With that, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. You go deal with your family. I'll deal with mine. We can compare notes later.